Welcome to the Fail Forward podcast. The purpose of this podcast is change the negative stigma around failure into a positive. Failure is only a negative if we do not learn from it and we give up. Welcome back to the Fail Forward podcast. Today, we've got Alexis Kingsbury back on the show. Now, we've had Alexis already talking about systemization and talking about a few little mini failures and how he's got great gain the success he has now. And in that interview, at the end, we started talking about AI. And then we were like, actually, we need to have another episode where we're just talking about AI. So my view on AI, well, actually, firstly, welcome, Alec, uh, Alexis. Good to have you back. Yeah, no, it's, this is awesome. <laughs> Good to be back again, Henry. Love it, love it. So my view on AI is like when it first comes out, everyone's literally going Skynet, like it's happening, the world's over. You know, like I think a lot of people instantly go into this kind of like overdrive that the world is ending. And like anything, you can either see something as a um, as a threat. Um, you know, I'm sure, it, you know, back when when the mines got closed, everyone said, you know, that's a threat. No one's going to lose their jobs. No one's going to have any work. There's going to be all these other people. And there's been so many things over the years where industries have changed and then they've gone, oh, it's all going to end now. And it feels like that people are saying similar about AI. Right. Everyone's going to be unemployed. No one's going to have any jobs. It's going to be Skynet. It's going to be, you know, we're, we're all going to be succumb to, to the world of computers, Terminator and everything else. So my view is that anything that comes out like this let i want to know what's it what's it about how can we embrace it how can we use this in our businesses to be able to grow scale and use it as a real positive so what's your take on it alexis yeah so i, th- I think firstly i think i'm very aligned to you I, th- I think that you can look at anything as an opportunity or a threat and so with any new technology i'm always looking for where's the opportunity how do i see the benefit of this how can it help me my team my business my family whatever it is rather than oh no um you know this is uh you know another techno thing that i've got to work my head around that said uh firstly as i get older i definitely find that uh, more challenging you know social media etc going oh do i have to learn what this other you know social media tool is and of course then you start to use it and you realize actually it's not as scary as you thought and the difference between posts and stories and reels and all these such things like become something you can understand and i i think the same is true for ai i think that initially it's this big black box of confusing stuff and partially not only to users but even to ai scientists like there's a whole load of work that's done to basically understand why ai comes out with some of the things it comes out with to delve into why is it making these decisions based on its its learning and so on and i think as a result that can can create a lot of fear it can create a lot of um reluctance to understand and so i think that's why we uh, many months ago decided you know what we need to break this down for people help people get to grips with it um, and so like we uh, as you know you know you, you saw me speak at, uh, at an event uh, on this topic we wrote you know we wrote a guide for business leaders around using AI and ChatGPT because it has so much potential for business leaders and did you and, did just quickly did you write that book with ChatGPT or is that written completely on your own no, it's it's not written with ChatGPT. All all the imagery in it is uh, using largely uh, Midjourney. I think some of it we perhaps use Dali as well. Um, but the 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 text is not written by ChatGPT, and there's there's some good reasons for that, um, which is that I in my experience ChatGPT. And it's, it's, of course, getting better. And when we first wrote this, ChatGPT 4 wasn't available. So, you know, we're using previous versions. But the way in which ChatGPT writes is good, but not amazing. And it takes a lot of prompting to get it close to amazing. And so um, a lot of the work is in coming up with and clarifying the concepts and the ideas and so on. Like if we wanted to write, if, if in this guide it had three pages about what is ChatGPT, what is AI and so on, then yeah, sure, ChatGPT could churn that out. But instead, you know, our aim was to write something because our clients are all time poor generally, you know, super busy, etc. We wanted to write something that there wasn't, you know, barely a single word word wasted, right? It's as concise and gets to the nub of it and and delivers that value. And I think um, that's one of the things that I've found that ChatGPT tends to be less good at is is getting very very concise and clear. It's 
of the opposite end of the scale, you can give it 10 bullet points and it can write an entire book, um, but the, uh, the quality of, of that sort of uh, kind of reduces and it becomes um, quite gen generic and, and generalized. So it requires a lot of doing that. So I'd say the longer the, co you know, when you're looking to um, uh, create some copy like that, you have to be quite careful in, in your use of ChatGPT. And particularly when we first wrote it, it was pre a lot of the uh, subsequent versions. It's getting a lot better now. Um, you know, full disclosure, I use ChatGPT4 heavily when I'm preparing to do podcast interviews. And so, uh, you know, a little bit, a bit of a behind the scenes, a, a pompadour, if you're a fan of Three Bean Salad podcast, um, is that Henry and I are recording this episode and then we'll be recording one for, for uh, my podcast, De-Stress Your Business. And to help me prepare for that, I've got a process that I follow that I use ChatGPT to help me come up with questions and write the intro and uh, write the outro and the promo video and all those sorts of things, but heavily based on a template and a process that I've iterated on over time so that I can give it like, here's what I want the intro to look like. Here's the structure of the questions and what I'm trying to do. Here's the structure of the promo video that I do. And now, like knowing that, here's my goal and objectives for this particular interview. Here's some background for, about Henry in this case, uh, uh, based on his bio and his LinkedIn profile. Right, now do that. Like now create the thing that I already know what good looks like. And I think that's the key. If you, if you have quite a defined outcome of what you're looking for, ChatGPT can do the heavy lifting to get you there. Whereas with something like this, like with our guide, um, there wasn't, it's not like we had already written one and therefore just needed to go, okay, now do the same, but for Bard or whatever. Like it was, it, it, it was, it was being absolutely created from, from nothing. And we weren't even sure how long is this going to end up being, how much, um, uh, how many words do we need to use? And our aim was kind of to make it a less than 15 minute read and, uh, and, and add a load of value that way. So, so yeah, so no, no, we didn't use ChatGPT for, and the same for my presentation. A lot of people say, oh, did you use ChatGPT to write a presentation? And it's, I tried because it would be in keeping with what I was doing, but it, I found it slower. It was, it was faster for me to actually think about the stories I'd want to tell and how, how I'd want the emotional journey to feel like there's part of the story and you know jokes for example like ChatGPT can come up with okay jokes but it's not it doesn't really land and so where you know when you're writing those it's i found it far more effective to to kind of write that myself and you know there's, well that's there's, the personality bit isn't it you know that's the personality bit that's the mm. bit that still needs the human is the personality to add that personality in to know how the story's going to land and why, where it goes and the little jokes and the little side bits and stuff so i think that's where you need the personality still don't you Absolutely. And, you know, another example of me do, using it in that way. So uh, I did a social post last week where there was a particular thing that I wanted to post about. There was a couple of posts I'd done previously. I kind of wanted to combine those two things, but do a different, slightly different spin on it. And I was thinking like, oh, maybe ChatGPT can help me. And it did. And, and so I was able to do it quicker. But the way the vernacular it uses, the, the phrasing and so on, is so not me that you know I needed to like tweak so much of that, and it's and it's hard to give that kind of feedback to it like, without basically saying here's a template of one that I've done before, and so you almost end up with this really difficult thing of either the thing it's creating is too similar to what you've given it, um, if if you're trying to make something different, or it's so far away that the styling is wrong. So for example, uh, let's say for a LinkedIn post, it starts off with hey LinkedIn fam. And it's like, that's not me. I'd never address my, I'd, you know, I'd never start to post that way. And it's not to say that's wrong. It's just that it's not how I would. And, but ChatGPT doesn't know the difference between making that bit different to the original post versus making the way in which the, in this case, a case study was described. And so it's like, I, I want you to write the case study in a different way that is not just a copy, but I don't want, the personality change like that's that's hard for um uh, hard to brief into the ai to get it to uh, to come out with the outcome and so i found by far the most effective way to use ai is when you've got a really specific outcome that you're looking for and as a result you can write a process 
that consistently gets that outcome where you have templates, you have clarity in what you're looking for at the endpoint. It's just that there's a lot of, it's basically, it's like, it needs to look like this, except based on B rather than C and, and be able to kind of feed that in, which is why as I say, prep for a podcast interview is it's great at because I can show it examples of really good questions I've asked in the past, how I introduce an episode. I can, I can include in the template that I'm feeding it, which bits of the uh, of the intro are always that way. Like when I end the episode, I always say, otherwise until next time, have fun. If I don't tell it that, then it will come up with something completely different for how I'd end the, end the podcast. And all of that you can bake into the process. And that goes for every way in which you can use AI. You know, I've got marketing intern at the moment who's taking a load of episodes that we've done and is using uh, an AI powered tool Descript to essentially kind of recreate uh, create a series of video clips that can be then shared via social media there are, and there are other tools that could even do some of those steps but it's like I, I've got a very well-defined outcome that I'm looking for and a series of steps that that intern can go through and as a result I can get a lot of output for a very uh, low uh, relative cost. So I think that that's where it, I've tended to find it most effective. Love that. So let's just strip this back for, because there could be some people listening to this going, I have no idea right now what these guys are talking about. Like I did meet someone the other day and went, chat GPT what? And I was like, okay, cool. Because like to me, I think, because we're at the world we're in, we see this and we've people have been talking about it for months and you see it all the time. So let's just strip it back and go back to the basics and then we'll build from there. So currently, I know there's lots of different AI, but what would you say are like the most used sort of top three AI tools right now for a business owner that, that they can start? Like, and what I'm talking about, maybe top, like I'm not talking, I'm talking about from a small business owner perspective, what are sort of three good AI tools that they could really use right now in their business? Yeah, so I'd, I'd say uh, the three core areas and, and specific tools. So the first one is definitely the large language models. So we, um, ChatGPT being the most uh, famous one, uh, famously getting uh, the fastest growth in number of users of any tool ever. Um, and getting to like 100 million users, uh, I, I think it was uh, 30 days or something, five days. It's like, it's been bonkers, right? Insane. And so that's the, the famous one. The essentially, what is it? It's a, a very powerful autocomplete. So if you're used to on your phone starting to type a text or if you're used to on your email starting to type an email and it were, and it makes a suggestion of the next word or even the whole sentence, what it's doing there is it's using um, learning that it's done based on a huge amount of data to basically go, what's the most likely next word and then word after that and word after that. So if I say see you, then it's it goes probably later or maybe see you soon. And, and of course, as it gets more clever, it knows the context of the rest of the message gives it a better weighting as to whether it's later or soon and, and so on, um, or even tomorrow, right? If, if, if earlier in the message I referenced tomorrow or I, or I gave a date or whatever. And so it's, that's essentially a language model is it is very good at spelling and grammar <laughs> better than most people, um, but also very good at predicting what's the next word. And so using um, prompts as extreme as write me a, uh, a haiku or, a, or a, 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 a two-line poem or a limerick or whatever about uh, the French Revolution and it will be able to come up with with that because it's able it understands or at least it has in you know based on its learning it knows what the structure would look like and so it's it, it's then just sort of auto-completing it and creating it and and particularly ChatGPT4 uh, does an incredibly good job of some of this, this kind of stuff. So that's kind of your language models, ChatGPT being the famous one. There's also BARD, uh, which is uh, Google's, whereas ChatGPT is from OpenAI. Um, I think the next group would really be around image generation. Um, and there's, you know, you can, as you go deeper, you learn about the differences between different models and stable diffusion and so on. But ultimately, what they are doing is they are trained on a series of images that have been tagged and labeled to say what they are. And so it gets to the point that essentially it can kind of recognize what images are. So for example, you can, you know, imagine sharing it lots of pictures of cars and saying these are cars, but not just these are cars, this is a red car, this is a blue car, this is a green car, this is a Tesla, this is a Vauxhall, etc. And so it's basically learning that so that when you then show it another picture, it can then basically go, well, I, that's closest to, based on what I've seen, this. 
Now, the interesting thing is it um, you then flip that on its head with stable diffusion, where you're basically saying, actually, start with noise. Start with just a mix of colors and whatever, like it's not a picture. But then from that picture, pick all the pixels, essentially, that are closest to a picture of a red Tesla car. And so it goes, oh, well, that, 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 and that, but nothing else. And then it changes, and then it kind of randomizes everything else and then repeats that exercise. And so the crazy thing is, because it's almost impossible for us to imagine this is possible, that process repeated many times essentially then builds your image. And so what it means for a user is that you can type in, give me a picture of Donald Trump driving a red Tesla uh, um, through a circus, and it, it can basically create that image from nothing because it knows the components of what we've just asked it for. It's got lots of pictures of Donald Trump, it's got pictures of Tesla, it's got pictures of circuses, and so it can then combine those things. And so you can end up with this brand new image, you know, like having an octopus um, that, uh, that, that creates it. And it's, you know, just incredible, the imagery that you can now create. And it's, you even got to the point that it's like, amazingly photorealistic. So you can ask it for pictures of people, you know, um, and there's uh, uh, there's whole art, you know, art scenes out there now with AI art, but essentially you can get it to create, you know, give me a picture of a, a small child hiding underneath a blanket, photo, super photorealistic in 4K, as if it's taken through a Canon 5D lens and whatever, and it knows because of the tagging what a Canon 5D photo would normally look like, what the focus, you know, what that length, focus length is look like, and so you can create this incredible image. And so that's what's possible there. In terms of the tools to use, Mid Journey is by, uh, in my experience, by far the best, However, it's not super user friendly, and uh, although um, in our guide we talk about like how to um, how to use it, even though that's the case, because once you're once you're over the hump, it's okay. Uh, the other one that's more user friendly but not as good uh, is Dali, um, and so those are great tools for the kind of image stuff. Um, next, I'd go on to audio and video, but anything that we should talk about before I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know what I was going to say. Um... Yeah, I've not used the um, I've not used the imagery yet. I did actually try and play around with it a little bit, and I just got it was too much for me. <laughs> um, I'm not hugely tech, um, so it sounds like I need to read your book firstly. Um, secondly, for me, when ChatGPT came out, I'm fully like failed all my GCSEs. My seven year old daughter knows more about English than I do. That's how how bad I am at English. So when ChatGPT came out, I was like, wow, okay, I can now write something put it into ChatGPT and say, can you just like grammar check this for me? And I'm like, cool, okay, that's amazing. And then using it for content creation ideas and like going, okay, like I think I know a lot, but let's see what else I can know about this subject. Tell me about all the top 10 duties of a director. And I'm going, okay, I know that one, that's a good idea. And it's just helping build that. But right now I'm probably not using it that much because, um, it's kind of there and I go to think of something and then I, I you know, I had a question the other day from somebody. I thought, oh, I'm going to see what chat GPT says, but I'm not using it to the best of my ability. One thing I've learned is, is though, and, and you can probably relate to this, is it's only as good, like you're saying earlier, as the information that you ask it or, or the information you put into it. Because if you set, tell, ask it a very dry, generic question, you're going to get a very dry, generic answer, aren't you? And if you ask, ask it something in depth, then... It will, it will, it will follow suit. But from so a couple of things, so there's a couple of like myths that are banding about that I just wanted to ask you about to do with ChatGPT. Um, we we started using it just to write blogs for our tree surgery business website, and then my um, a copywriter that we use said you can't do that because Google will pick that up. So it, is that a thing? Is it that Google will can pick up that it's written by uh, AI? Yes. Um, yes, it absolutely is. And so I, I was actually talking to a, a marketing agency client of ours recently, and they were saying how they were using ChatGPT a lot as part of creating emails for email marketing, because those aren't then indexed and so on. Whereas for um, blogging, uh, uh, yes, they, they and landing pages, they hold back from using it because they're expecting uh, to get dinged by Google as a result. I wouldn't be surprised actually if email goes a similar way. You can imagine um, email providers deciding to be more likely to filter stuff out, uh, out as spam if it's heavily AI written. Um, but the key comes down to what does it even mean to be written by AI and be able to be detectable as written by AI? And I think the a good way to, to demonstrate this would be if you fire up ChatGPT, and you said, write me a blog article, 
no other guidance, right? Just write me a blog article. So it's going to choose the topic, it's going to choose everything about it, the headlings and so on. And it'll write something that's about blog length. If you post that out there on the internet, yeah, it is going to be easy to identify that as written by AI because so much of it has been written by its own model, right? It's, it's got so little creative input from you. Um, and so the, everything, all the styling, everything in that, uh, in, in that post is going to be very AI in feel. And you'll be able, once you've been using these tools for a while, you almost start to get a bit of a, an eye for being able to spot what's been written by ChatGPT or not, because it's it's almost got, to some extent, it's almost got its own writing style based on the data it's been been trained on, right? And so um, it tends to be um, uh, a little bit too formal. It tends to be uh, quite verbose. It tends to use a um, quite wide vocabulary um, and and use and sometimes uses it in slightly odd ways, and so it starts to stand out after a while. Now, here's the thing. It depends very much where you're using AI in the process. If you're using it towards the end of the process, i.e. you've come up with what you want in the blog, you've decided, you know, this is going to be the, the concept and the style and everything, and you brief it and it produces it and you go, yep, that's good, post it, then yes, it's going to be detectable as AI. Whereas if you've got it early on in the process, like come up with 10 risks to businesses, as a result of AI, it'll come up with a list of 10. But if you then wrote that blog on the basis of it, the Google isn't then going to detect that AI wrote that because all it did is prompt you the brainstorm. And so you've got those two extremes. And the, the reality is that as long as you're, you've got um, a lot of your own stamp in there that you're reviewing it and editing it and so on, then absolutely you can get to a point where yeah, ChatGPT or whatever tool has helped you create the content, but that it's not obviously AI written at the other end. So unfortunately, it's a continuum, you know, and, and even the most amazing AI tools that are out there to, for example, detect cheating and exams and coursework and so on, they can only really give a percentage likelihood of it being produced by AI in the same way as the existing tools for plagiarism exist to say, you know, there's an 80% chance this has been plagiarized, um, largely comes down to the extent to which you edit it, right? Let's say that you're doing an exam and you go, yeah, I've, I've completely plagiarized someone's, but now I'm going to rewrite it. Well, arguably, how much you rewrite it come, will then affect to what extent that plagiarism score goes down. And so the same goes for the AI. So it is a, it's not a binary is or is not AI. It's, um, it's more of a continuum. So what you need, definitely need to make sure of is that you're not just pumping out content that you go, oh, fantastic, AI can just do this for me. And now videos, audio, images, text, whatever AI comes out with, that's going out there because I mean, A, it'll get dinged by the uh, by uh, Amazon and, and Google and so on, but B, it won't be engaging for your audience either. Like, No, it, well, it doesn't. People aren't going to buy into you and, and relate to it, are they? Um, what's, what someone's told me the other day, and I don't know how true it is, because you know what it's like, there's so many things fly about, that one of the founders of ChatGPT has left ChatGPT to make some his own software, which will then check exam papers to check that it's not done by chat gpt and i was like wow that's i mean if that's actually true you've created the problem and now you've created the solution i mean that's that's just like that's genius really isn't it <laughs> yeah i mean it, it really does get to the the cl uh, sort of um scary example of uh you know for uh, a medical company creating a virus so that they can sell the vaccine um yeah, and it, and it's one of the concerns and criticisms of AI more generally is to what extent are we creating the monster that then creates the industries off, off the back of it. Um, I think my take on the whole exam thing is actually it's like, I'm not sure that's even desirable because to some extent, like for my kids, for example, do I care if they use ChatGPT to write an article or not? Or do I care about the outcome that they've produced? And to, because in the real world of how we need to, you know, function, really you get paid for what you get done and the quality of what you produce. And so to some extent, you know, we, we, what would really be ideal is that rather than say, 
I'm going to check whether ChatGPT produced this. Instead, we'd focus on the quality of the output, and therefore, that one of the skills for the uh, for for you know people going through education to um, develop is the ability to use AI to produce good stuff, because you know yeah you'd get an E if you produce something that's just churned out of AI and looks rubbish and isn't it is really engaging style doesn't have any clear original thought or whatever whereas if you wrote the world's most amazing engaging story and you happen to have used AI as part of your process to do it does that does that matter like is isn't it the outcome that we value so so it's interesting because um I would encourage ed educationalists instead to look at how do you how do you embrace it and support that because right now we're looking at it and so few people are, have really got to grips with it but roll the clock forward 10 years and suddenly it's just going to be normal that everyone knows how to use AI as part of their day-to-day -day. in the same way as now we have that with social media. And 20 years ago, when I was studying my management science degree, they were teaching me how to Google. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and also, it's good, like, in a way, you're right. Like, there's so many other things that you think about when you're, when you're talking then. Like, if my children start using AI to write stuff, well, then they're leveraging. And that's what you need to do in life is leverage. Leverage other people's time, lever, le leverage other people's or other skill sets. And you can call AI a skill set in itself of being able to content create in an ideation kind of way. So you're actually just going, okay, like, I'm bouncing some ideas around and I'm hitting a bit of a brick wall. Let's just chuck this into ChatGPT and just get the brain going and 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 then what does chat tbt oh yeah that 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 right now let's i didn't think of that now let's brainstorm this and it's just another if rather than having this sort of very fixed like i have to think everything in my own head like richard branson does he know everything about airplanes no you know if rolling back 20 years he probably would go all right i'm gonna i'm gonna speak to chat tbt as well you know but it's just like what tools did he have when he started when he went and started virgin he just went and found a guy that knew about airplanes like now you can go to chat gpt and ask it and give you some idea creation so yeah i think it can definitely be embraced in that way yeah and and so i think when we're talking about um uh text and so on and actually this this goes for um uh, images as well is that these these t sorts of ai tools these kind of um you know creation tools where you're creating something based on prompts so both in the, we're talking about text and we're talking about images both of it is based on a text prompt that you give it in both cases i'd agree that it's really good for helping you essentially that kind of brainstorming stage so for example if you're an artist um, or uh, maybe a, a, like a game artist. So you've got to create maybe a landscape as part of a computer game you're developing. What if, rather than starting with a blank screen and then going, right, maybe I'm going to start with a little bit of a sand dune in the background and taking ages over that and then going on a way, actually, no. And then you start again and you've already lost a day. Instead, you could use AI to basically say, right, give me a, a landscape in the style of X game um, with the following features in it and it will create it and then that allows you to think and, and sort of do that creation. That in the example of that game artist, it doesn't necessarily mean they end up using that image as the artwork, but it's it's helped them iterate on numerous variations before they've even started to you know put their uh, uh, their digital equivalent of a paintbrush to paint uh, to paper and the same as it, exactly as you say with with ChatGPT. I think the other place, as I mentioned before, is when you have a very specific outcome you're looking for, but there's a lot of doing to get there. So where you have a template, for example, for a press release, maybe you've got a templated structure for doing your press release, but then the previous one that you did like there's new information so maybe you want to say okay now use the same template but instead here's the information this is who won our you know best customer award uh this is why this is you know here's the background and it can then very quickly populate that information in a way that flows that would be that takes longer to do as a human i think where the mistake to is to use this for um, creation to create that, as we talked about, the landing pages, the blog articles, the sales copy or whatever, where if you're not clear on what you want as an outcome, because it will produce rubbish and you won't even know it's rubbish. So I've seen I've seen salespeople who have used uh, AI tools that are embedded in HubSpot and so on that essentially use it, that are using ChatGPT to write an e a sales outreach email. And they go, hey, look, it's pretty good. Now, Someone, a sales expert looks at it and goes, no, it's not. That's, that's going to get ignored by close to 
of the people who receive it. And that's because the person who is using the AI doesn't know, hasn't looked at what best practice looks like when it comes to those sales emails, so they can't see the difference. And this is a dangerous space of AI is people misunderstanding the fact that it exists and, and even writes well does not mean that it's good engaging um, uh, quality content. Um, and I think that's a, that's a big risk as well for research. I've heard people say, oh, yeah, you can use it for research. And whilst I think some of the examples you've shared, like helping you come up with, oh, what are some of the mindset barriers people might have around X, it can absolutely do. You have to be really careful around facts. So, for example, I asked uh, ChatGPT, give me 10 facts that most people wouldn't know about the UK entrepreneur Alexis Kingsbury, me, right? And I was particularly proud of number five. Uh, and I asked it to source them, like give me sources, like, you know, I want really backed up. And number five was uh, that Alexis uh, was on the Forbes top 100 female uh, entrepreneur <laughs> list. And it puts like Forbes and puts a little URL that looks like how it would look. And of course you click on it and it's a broken link. And but, but the problem is if you don't know the answer, you wouldn't spot that that's not true. And that's the risk. And I've heard people say things like, oh, yeah, ChatGPT's got all of the Internet in it, which is like saying that a an adult has got everything that they've all, uh, learned at school in them. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> that, that it was part of their learning. That doesn't mean it's, it's there perfectly. Um, it is still just predicting what it should look like, what a what a answer should look like. So you have to be really careful with these use of tools. And it's why. Yeah, we're really big on how do you embed it into your processes to produce stuff that you know is going to give you good results rather than spend a load of time creating stuff in AI that you don't know what good looks like and therefore can't evaluate what it should, uh, uh, you know, what it should look like at the end. And therefore it's impossible to know whether it's good or not. Yeah. And, and then you're just going to kill your credibility because you go and put some facts out there, like you say, and someone's going to read that. And like, for example, my industry being the tree surgery world industry, you know, I'm building up credibility in that as being a go to person to help, you know, mentor and train people. If I start kicking out loads of stuff on chat GPT, like I get trolled all the time. I know the fact that if I start chucking stuff out, people are going to be like instantly credibility killed. Like, you know, do, do you know what I mean? And it just takes that completely away, doesn't it? A hundred percent. You can even end up in prison. So uh, there are two ways in which you could do that. So one is you may not realize whether ChatGPT is plagiarizing and breaching copyright because it's, 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 it's trained on content that's out there on the Internet. And you don't know without checking whether actually a particular sentence that you've used or a tagline or whatever is actually essentially copying uh, one that's out there on the Internet. Same for imagery, like there are examples of using these um, uh, AI uh, image generators where you can even see the watermark of like Shutterstock just fake, uh, vaguely in the background because the model has been trained on so many uh, Shutterstock images, which, you know, from Shutterstock's perspective, they say, whoa, you should be paying royalty on all of this because <laughs> uh, you've clearly got it. You've clearly scraped it into your model. So that's the first thing is copyright. But the second thing is uh, factual inaccuracy. And in fact, there was a, recently as a, a lawyer who submitted as part of their um, evidence and so on, uh, a dossier which included some references to precedent case law to say, you know, as was found in, uh, you know, Donaldson versus Smith or whatever, uh, 2001, um, then X and Y. And the judge said, I, I can't find these cases that you've referenced. I, I can't find them. And uh, it turned out they had used ChatGPT to write the case file. And ChatGPT, you know, is basically filling in what it w thinks would look like a good, you know, case being made. And it creates and fabricates this, these uh, these cases and some real, some not. Now, unfortunately, that lawyer, uh, to save face, rather than deciding to just go, oh, like what they should have done is just go, oh, yeah, sorry, no, I'm mistyped. Ignore that. Let me resubmit. Instead, what they did was use ChatGPT to fake the uh, the um, previous cases and create documents and like heavily scan it on like old paper and whatever to make it try and look real and then and use ChatGPT to do it. And it was then found also to be rubbish because there's no Digging your digging your grave even deeper, right? <laughs> you know? uh, I mean, so as a result, they they uh, they um, I don't know whether the case is now completed or whatever, uh, but they're at real risk of jail time for for that, right? So, yeah, you, it's got to be um, used. It's got to be used in the right way, basically. And and, and another thing that someone said is that, um, and I don't know because I'm yeah, I haven't looked at it for a while, but the first update 
the first chat GPT that came out, it was only stuff on from the internet up until the end of 2022, I think, um, or end of 2021. I don't know if that's changed now because obviously then there's yeah, each like, update moves. Yeah, a bit yeah. Quick, yeah. So, so, but then there's always going to be a lag. If people want facts now, there's going to be a lag between an event that might have happened a month ago to then to then six months ago. So yeah, so. so um... To some extent, what Google have been doing, and actually, to be fair, um, Microsoft have done with Bing, is that what they've done is they've, um, in b both Google and Microsoft's case, they've taken AI trained on the internet to make a, a language model, you know, which we've talked about what, what that's doing there, and then said, okay, now do a search. So if we use Google as an, uh, as an example, do a search, but now use the AI to summarize the top results. And so then that is up to the minute and is properly sourced because it's able to say like the answer is this and it can reference and those things so so that stuff is getting better um uh you know the ability for for example if you said give me um uh, give me a, an itinerary of what to do in edinburgh uh during august it might uh, it'll be able to do a search and then use that data to be able to uh, for, formulate it so it might then be able to reference a show and say oh yeah you should then at lunchtime you should go to this show ChatGPT would just come up with a show right it'd be like oh yeah go to the dog and lettuce and see the laughing horse um, <laughs> and that might never have existed or existed but years ago or whatever whereas when you're using uh, essentially sort of um, in the, those uh, their search tools with the AI embedded it's actually using that information and so that is better and it is continuing to get better the problem is that both Microsoft and Google have that still had issue with factual inaccuracy um, and have to put limits on how many back and forth you can have otherwise it sort of all unravels um, but that's that is that is coming and it's fundamentally changing the way in which people find information which um, is one of the risks we wrote about in the uh, in the book is like your even if you think oh well you know I, the type of service I provide I can't use AI in it and all these sorts of things like how you get your customers is going to get disrupted by AI like the fact that the way in which people are using Google and Bing and other search engines and social media and so on will change as a result of AI means that you've got to at least be following that and understand how that's shifting and be ready and start to embrace uh, other ways of using it. Because, you know, it's a little bit like we've been starting to have this with voice. You know, more searches are being done with voice. People using devices that are on their on their desks and in their kitchens and so on to add things to shopping lists. And suddenly they're not seeing your adverts and they're not seeing the fact that you've managed to get to number one of Google or that you've got 30 Google reviews or whatever. They'll only see it if it happens to come up as part of the voice search. And the same is going to kind of happen even faster for, for AI. So there's lots of different ways in which AI and, and large language models are going to change. So do you think... Um... Yeah, do you think that people are going to start using it to find, to find me a tree surgeon in Southampton? And a bit like Google, like so that that will be it will be just become a go to search engine, essentially. And that's that's what you mean is like where people turn up and find like, how do you then get your your company to be in within that? You know, there's that's a whole most a whole nother commercial model there for ChatGPT, really, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. And so whether or not people should use those tools in that way to do that is to some extent irrelevant. Um, the reality is it will happen. And so you're absolutely right. Like there's an opportunity if you're currently not listed for top tree surgeon in, in Southampton, I'm sure you are, Henry, um, there's an opportunity to uh, optimise to, to, to get there. One would, ex one would expect that the practices that get you to the top of Google, essentially, for it, are likely to help you in the same way for um, those sorts of uh, tools as well, right? Because they're ultimately using the internet to identify. But then again, I suppose the truth of it is that stuff that work, like stuff that's good for users, is what's going to work. Like I remember the early days of social uh, of search engine optimization, where it was all these crazy tactics around putting text on your website that was the same color as the background so that it was read by the the, the search engine spiders but not by <laughs> yeah. humans and all this kind of stuff yeah. and of course 
increasingly that will just get see you know, that sort of stuff gets seen through right i mean that's you know that was a long time ago and algorithms improved to to remove that and i think the same will be true for for what we're seeing in content and an example of that would be having a like at the moment one of the most effective ways to get yourself to number one of google is to have a load of other websites link to you saying oh yeah if you're looking for a tree surgeon in southampton go and check these guys out and they link to it and that's from a well-known reputable website from your arbor association and so on and that gives your uh, your website page rank and, and all these things to, to kind of um to, to bolster up the listings now of course the mistake would be okay well now i could just create a load of social um, ai generated domains and websites out there with loads of pages that all link back that's the kind of stuff that Google and OpenAI and Microsoft and whatever will just go, no, this is not good for people. And the, the same actually recently, Amazon have announced it. Like they noticed that people were creating books from scratch using AI, you know, creating these published books and going, there you go, I've done a book now and then putting it on the platform. And Amazon were looking at it going, this is going to ruin our platform because we're going to end up with a load of low quality books that look proper and have got 40,000 words and all that kind of stuff, but aren't any good. So as a result, we're there, they're taking steps to kind of remove that off the platform. So, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's back to that different. credibility thing, isn't it? And it's about, you know, giving value to the people who are using your service or site. And if that if that's going to affect Amazon and Google, they will just jump all over it, won't they? So let's just talk about, um, if you're in a small business right now, um, what would you be using ChatGPT AI for? What What are the main things you'd be be trying to? Because there's a lot of people out there that are going to be listening to this, thinking, "Well, where do I even start with this? This sounds all great, but I'm a tree surgeon, or I'm I'm doing X, and this relates nothing to my my industry." So, what would you What would you How would you embrace if you were just new to AI? What would What would you start doing, and what How could you use it to benefit your business? Yeah, so I'd say the approach that we always come back to is essentially you want to start the other way around. So rather than starting with, here's an AI tool, how can I make use of it? You kind of need to flip it and say, in my business right now, what causes me pain? What takes a lot of time? What's annoying? Uh, what causes friction to my customers? Uh, those sorts of questions. And then look at, okay, how can I apply AI to that situation? So for example, for me, um, uh, when we do our prep for podcasts, there's a whole load of written assets that need to produce be produced and they're in a fairly similar style um, and so I can you know I can create a process that uses prompts to go into ChatGPT to generate that kind of work for me um, so that be those are some of the most effective ways of way, where you're embedding it into processes where you already v regard them as valuable enough that you're putting human time and money into uh, doing them and therefore just looking at ways to make them more efficient. So that's the that's the fundamental lens and approach that I'd recommend. If I was to then just share examples of how I've seen it save people time, because I've had people that have come up to me after uh, getting our, our book and saying like, literally the following day you saved me six hours. And the way that they've done that is largely if they need to put together, so for example, I had um, uh, someone who they essentially needed to write a sort of investor pack for a, uh, a company they were looking for investment in. And so what they did with ChatGPT is go, right, ChatGPT, you're a, an M&A broker who's helping to uh, make a business uh, sellable for, uh, and maximize its value. Um, you need to uh, ask me some questions so that we can put together an investor pack. And so it then comes up with a series of good questions. Now imagine, like, a, that's what you want from an M&A advisor, but also there's loads of blogs out there on the internet. Like you could just Google it and say what the you know questions that it asks. But the great thing with using ChatGPT is now you can answer them. So you can write, okay, question one, here's the answer. Question two, here's the answer. Question three, and you can put in all the numbers. So you can say like revenue in you know this year was this, revenue in this year was this, revenue was this, and put out all of that detail. Right, question four, question five, go through all the all of it. And then it'll go, okay, and then you can say like any other clarifying questions and it might say, oh, you said that it was uh, pr this amount of profit, was that operating or net profit? And clarifying those questions and get to the outcome. And then you can go, right, ready, what, how should we structure the investor pack? Now, again, you could Google, you could go and find a best practice template or a blog that talks about how to do it, or you can ask ChatGPT, come up with the structure, 
your ability to assess which is a good one will be the same as whether you've Googled it or not, right? You need to uh, kind of um, use a few inputs. But essentially, you go once you've got a structure you're happy with, you can go, right, great. Let's start off with the exact summary. Go. And it's got all of that, all the answer that you've given it. So it knows what all the numbers should be and da, da, da. And so it, it can then write it. And you can, of course, edit it or go back and forth. And so this person who is creating this investor pack, they previously estimated it would take them four or five days of work to uh, to create all of that. Um, and already the following day, they worked out that it, was, it, it, it saved them five hours and they managed to get the whole thing done in one day. And they're expecting it to take four or five days, right? And so... Uh, and then they sent that investor pack on to a few uh, different people, you know, their business partner, their mentors, etc. And those people went back going, this is great, well done. And so that, like, that's the real test, like, you know, does it, can you then end up with something good quality? And they edit it and whatever. And so that, that's an example. So there you've got two different examples. You've got a well-defined process, you know, like pod, creating the podcast stuff where I know exactly what I want it to look like and give it a template, give it a process. And then at the opposite end of the scale, you've got something that that person hadn't done before, um, had a broad idea of what they wanted, but had all the information in their head that needed to be sucked out and turned into something useful. And so those are two examples of how you could use it, but there's a million different ways. There's so many. I've used it for wife's birthday presents, wife's <laughs> anniversary presents. Um, I, I, like you said, itineraries. So we do service accommodations. So we've written itineraries for a day out in Southampton for our guests so they can see like different things to do. Um, I've like done that. I think when I first started using it, I just used it how like, like when you talk about Google first coming out, oh, I'm just going to ask it loads of stuff and just see what it does. And it's amazing. I even got it to start writing in the tone of uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which was amazing. Um, and just, you know, start chucking in different, but do it in the tone of Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, to do it in ter ter terms of ter Terminator and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's really, it's a really, um, really powerful. And for, for me, like the content creation ideas, just constantly just bouncing ideas around with, with it. Um, so who wins and who loses from AI? Yeah, so I'd say um, if we start with the who loses. So the first group uh, lose are the ones who say, I don't like it. I don't want to get to groups with it. I don't want to learn something new. And they probably hear enough that is either scary or pointless or, you know, some of the examples that we've talked about, you know, people ending up in jail or whatever. And they go, you know what? It's easier to, to avoid it. And the problem is in the short term, it'll work, that'll work out fine. In the long term, it's the equivalent of saying, uh, if you're in the Stone Age and going, I don't know why we'd ever want bronze. It takes much longer. You have to do a kiln and all this kind of stuff. I'm perfectly happy with my stone spear. Thank you very much. Um, you know, there's, there's a reason that that technology is not still, <laughs> still used and around, right? And so, so um, failing to adapt invites extinction. So you've got to adapt. You've got to evolve in that respect. The other group that uh, uh, risk losing are the ones that uh, jumped on the wrong things. So they uh, they get overexcited by particular technologies and start from that angle. So, for example, I've seen a big group get very excited around the sort of deep fake video audio stuff where it's like, oh, brilliant, like it can basically do the uh, audio for my book. I don't have to go and record it myself or pay someone to do it. I'll get synesthesia.ai or, or whatever to create that for me. Or I'll use some you know, AI tool to create my product explainer video using a tool like steve.ai. And great, I don't need to do the thinking and whatever. I'll just put that out there. And the problem is that you end up with okay content at best um, and it loses your voice, your personality, your connection, identity. And so, yeah, in, indeed, yeah. and so as a result, like you're not you're not building up your brand and connection with your audience, not building up the know, like, and trust kind of elements with them. And so as a result, that's a, just a colossal waste of time, and you'll end up with so much noise out there that it you know it, it means that, for example, someone could use AI to post a hundred times a day to their social media profiles, it doesn't mean they'll suddenly end up with loads of high quality followers that turn into customers. Right? It just it it won't have that that outcome. So I'd say that's another at the opposite end of the spectrum, the the losing. I think the winners are the ones that look at their business and say, where is the biggest pain obstacle for my customer? 
the people I currently serve, what is it that they really struggle with? And where can I use AI to make that possible? So for example, I was um, interviewed by uh, someone who we both know, uh, Nick James on, on his podcast. And he was asking like, how would he apply AI to his business? And we we're talking about how one of the biggest challenges his customers have are even like getting clear on what are our unique selling points, who is our target customer, all those sorts of things. Once they've got that, like they, you know, you can create assets and Nick James's team and so on. They, you know, they've got they've got templates for these sorts of, you know, the kinds of assets that you need to produce. Indeed, in your mastermind, like you know, Henry, what adverts need to look like for tree surgeons and all these sorts of things. But the uh, the the business, the tree surgery business, need to create that and at least formulate who is your market and who does it cover. Now, previously, it would be really expensive to serve that with a consultant who sits with the business owner to have all those discussions and work, get that stuff sucked out of their head and then create the, um, the, you know, the flyer or the brochure or whatever based on that conversation. But now you could utilize AI to do that essentially close to free because you can, you know, in the, a little bit like the example with the um, M&A advice, using ChatGPT as an M&A advisor, you could imagine if, Imagine if that was essentially an M&A firm that said, yeah, one of the biggest blockers that we have to helping sell people's businesses is that they ne they don't put the time in to get us at least a basic investor pack. So as a result, we can't do anything. Um, but instead, now we can use some AI that's going to ask them a series of questions. It's then going to formulate it and then give us something that's a good starting point. And I think that's where you win. You work out where are the biggest obstacles for your team, for your customers and so on, and you, you fix them and, and grease the wheels using AI and suddenly you, know, you, you, you can out, out pitch your competition because you can add so much more value than your customers can at a fraction of the cost. Absolutely love that, amazing. Cool. So Alexis, because we're coming to the end now, where do we get our hands on this book of yours? Uh, yeah, sure. So people can get it at airmanual.link forward slash AI forward slash ebook. Uh, and I'm conscious that I uh, seeded that there were three groups of technologies, uh, the, set, the third one being video and audio that is covered uh, in, the, in the, uh, the book, which is available uh, for free as an ebook at that, uh, that web address. Um, it's also um, got a checklist in it that you can um, use yourself, but you can also use it with your team that walks through trying out some of these tools, including uh, both uh, Midjourney and ChatGPT and also uh, some other tools for video and audio, so that you can both try them out and get your team to do so, but also it's got some exercises to help you actually reflect on how to apply it in your business, where the risks are, where the opportunities are. And getting your team to do that is hugely powerful. Like getting your head of sales, head of marketing, head of operations to think for their specific part of the business, how could they apply it? Ah, oh, like that, that's how you really win, right? Yeah, absolutely love that. And I, I did, well, as soon as this came out, I did a little video just for my team um, just to say, look, this is ChatGPT, start playing around with it, have a look at it. I have no idea how to use it, but like, just this is what you do, this is how you do it. Send it out straight to the team, send it to the guys on the mastermind as well. Um, but yeah, what I'll do is I will put that link um, within the uh, description um, of this episode. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out. I'm going to go and download my copy now. So um, yeah, thank you so much for coming along again, Lexis. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Henry.